0: And now, broadcasting from a two person hot tub high atop the Butterfield Park Water Tower, it's the E Town Lowdown created by Robbie and Rick. And now, your handsome hosts, PK and Rick. Welcome to another special edition of the E Town Lowdown, the COVID 19 pandemic. As usual, I have my two partners, PK and Scotty Malort, with me. How are you guys? Good.
1: I'm doing great.
0: Good. How are you? I'm doing well. So, PK, how's uh, how's things going uh for the uh, PK family and uh, business?
1: Well, we're uh, hanging in there. We're um, I don't know how involved you want me to get, but we have a daughter in New York who's trying to figure out whether or not she should stay there, and probably not going to. Um, but uh, you know, the home front is good, and uh, in the work world, we're trying to keep the business going. But uh, respecting all the uh, things that are taking place with this virus going around. So it's a challenge, but we're getting through it.
0: How about you, Malort?
1: We are uh, focusing heavily on the switch over to e-learning for our kids. So crazy times in the house, crazy times in the work world. Mm -hmm. I had a opportunity yesterday to be a part of an interesting phone call with the senior economist from First Trust, who uh, had some interesting commentary he referred to what we're going through as a quote government overreaction which i found interesting and i don't know that anyone in the healthcare field particularly in new york would agree with that so uh, yeah it was an interesting experience i'm sorry you said overreaction which I, I so many people are thinking it's been an underreaction correct he the economists believe there has been a government overreaction to shutting everything down for the period of time they have which I, I don't know that I can agree with, but it was an interesting,
0: interesting conversation. Today we have, uh, back for an update, our good friend, Pamela Dunley, the president and CEO of Elmhurst Memorial Hospital. And I know that the three of us have, uh, put up signs in support of our healthcare workers at Edward Elmhurst Health in our front yard saying, thank you. So, uh, Guys, uh, any uh, last words before I start the interview with uh, Ms. Dunley?
1: Just uh, let her know that we so greatly appreciate all she and and everybody is doing there. Um, You know, it is interesting. They show a lot of uh, things on TV about all the healthcare workers and how they're getting through things, but uh, it's it's unbelievable how taxing this is on them. And um, they're so much, they're so greatly appreciated. So, amen. uh, Yeah.
0: That's right. Gents, we'll see you. Been nice talking with you. Today is Tuesday, March thirty first, 2020, and I have Pamela Dunley, the president and CEO of Elmhurst Memorial Hospital, on the line. How are you, Pam? I'm hanging in there. Good. I I appreciate you giving us this update. I know you uh, spoke with us last week. So um, I ask you how you're doing. How's the staff holding
2: up? Uh, They're hanging in there. We're all working really hard, and I'm I'm exceptionally proud of them. I cannot believe it was only a week ago we talked. It feels like a month, Um, but a very crazy month. I can tell you that.
0: I bet. Um, Yesterday, I know that um, DuPage County had reported there were 15 cases of COVID-19 in Elmhurst. Not exactly sure what what their definition of in Elmhurst is if it's at the hospital or in town but last week you reported you had 17 patients um, that were inpatients that tested positive and other 31 patients that were awaiting results and that up to that point you had had two deaths at Elmhurst Memorial Hospital can you give us some updates on those numbers please
2: I certainly can. And I think when they say 15 cases in Elmhurst, they're talking about the town of Elmhurst okay. because it is definitely not the hospital. Um, and just, just some facts. As of today, DuPage County has 320 positive COVID patients, and Cook County has 1,529. Um, the state has 5,057, and they've had 73 deaths. But talking about Elmhurst Hospital and Edward Hospital, what we currently have as of today at this very moment is um, Elmhurst has 42 positive inpatient patients. We have um, had, we have 17 rule out patients right now, Um, and we have had five deaths, so three additional ones since we last spoke last week.
0: That number of 17, Pam, what is that again?
2: rule out. So we think they might have COVID, but we don't know yet. So we will know later today, but we don't have the results back yet.
0: And how, generally when they first get that test, how long does it take before they get those test results?
2: Well, since we started doing them in-house, it's, it's less than 24 hours. So we'll have uh, our results back later tonight. Usually we get them about eight or nine at night. And um, and so we'll know by then how many of those are positive and how many aren't. Over at Edward Hospital, they do have 31 inpatients. They have had two deaths, and they have 21 they're ruling out. Um, Just so you know, as a whole, though, we have tested... Um, as a system, almost 3,000 people, and of that 3,000, almost 1,500 were negative and 361 were positive. Um, that doesn't all add up, but there's some, some that we're waiting for results on um, that we didn't test ourselves, so, you know, there's, there's a lot that are going home and getting taken care of at home, but they're, the ones that come into the hospital are very sick. How is your uh, supply of uh, personal
0: protective equipment for your staff?
2: Well, we have enough right now and we keep trying to buy as much as we can from anybody who sends us information or people have donated personal protective equipment. We keep looking at um, at being conservative on how we're using it because we do not expect that this is going to slow down anytime soon and so we don't want to run out of protective equipment. Um, but you know we're constantly looking at who should be wearing what and um, making sure that we' we can keep everybody safe. We have moved for our uh, staff, any staff that are working with patients who are either rule out or are Tested positive, we have moved to having them wear surgical scrubs so we can wash their clothes for them so they don't have to take it out and wear something out in the community or take their clothes home to be washed. So we're doing everything we can to try to keep everybody safe, but um, we know that personal protective equipment is going to be the um, thing that will help prevent the spread, particularly to our healthcare workers. And so we want to make sure that we keep getting uh, supply in. And um, so if anybody knows of anybody who has some equipment out there, please let us know because we would love to purchase more.
0: Sure. So in terms of your staff, how do you monitor them for the virus or the or the disease, and, and do you require temperature readings and things like that?
2: We have asked, and we've started this quite a while ago, asked our staff to do their own uh, monitoring Um for symptoms, so temperature twice a day, and, um, and then letting us know if they have any other signs, such as cough or aches, um, sore throat, etc. So temp and monitoring your signs. We are in the process of looking at if we are going to monitor every single staff member as they walk into the organization, um, and we should be making that decision the next day or two. Uh, but we do know these are healthcare workers, and they know how to take their temperature.
0: Right. Um, I know when we talked last, uh, you and I might be using the wrong word, but you said that you were basically rationing those, those COVID-19 tests to those who really needed to be tested, those that were showing symptoms, et cetera. Is, uh, is the access to testing still being controlled somewhat, and will yeah. that access increase as time goes on?
2: Well, we're hoping it will increase because um, I'm sure people have read about this new Abbott product that can have a turnaround in five minutes um, of a test and we are are lucky because we have the machine that you need to run that and so we should be getting some tests, um, some ability to run those tests and that would give us more ability to test people but right now we can test approximately 94 patients per day and so we are still trying to limit it to people that um, are either in the hospital or are very ill, or are coming to our emergency room ill, and or um, health care workers that have shown signs of symptoms.
0: Okay. Um, we've seen on uh, TV that there have been large hospital ships that have been deployed in New York and California to help uh, take some of the load, and, and from my understanding, those ships are going to be taking care of non-COVID-19 patients so that it frees up resources at existing land-based hospitals to uh, treat COVID-19 patients. So my question to you is, is there any talk between hospitals of designating some hospitals as COVID-19 hospitals temporarily and others as hospitals for those that do not have COVID-19 symptoms?
2: So that's an excellent question. We have discussed that. um, And at this point, we do not feel that that's a good move. First of all, a lot of these patients are so sick, it would not be good for them to move to another hospital, and we, we are doing it internally in each of our hospitals so that we have spaces that are only for non-COVID-19 patients and then um, spaces that are only for those patients that are either rule-out or are confirmed positive COVID-19. We have surge plans at, at both organizations for as more positive patients come in, how we would Gather more beds and more areas, and be able to continue to keep people who are not COVID positive in their own space and away from the other patients. Okay,
0: in terms of what keeps you up at night, uh, mm-hmm. and and what resources that you're afraid you're going to be lacking as this pandemic, in theory, uh, will likely grow, is it is it staff? Is it is it supplies? Is it space? Is it guidance from above? What what?
2: What resource are you worried
0: about the most?
2: Well, what keeps me up at night is just how sad this whole situation is. Um, and it's it's sad for the families. It's sad for the patients that are isolated and cannot have loved ones with them when they're so sick. It's sad for the staff who are taking care of patients and then no matter what they do, they can't stop them from dying. Those are things that, that make me keep up at night and think about what we could be doing differently. Um, But in terms of, in the long run, I do worry about running out of personal protection equipment. I do worry about having enough ventilators. I do worry about having enough staff that are healthy to be able to um, help us continue to take care of the number of patients that we might see. I... On the other hand, I am very proud of what we've been able to do. At this point, no Elmhurst employee has tested positive for COVID. So even though we've had patients for several weeks now, we continue to have a staff that um, has remained free of the illness. Now, that doesn't guarantee that it won't happen tomorrow, but that has been a very positive for us. Um, We have had enough ventilators up till now, and we um, still have have enough supply to handle um, more patients, so I'm happy with that, and as I said, we have been very careful with our utilization of personal protective equipment so that we can make sure that we have enough um, going forward and still keep our staff safe, because for us, the most important resource we have is our staff, and their safety is number one. Absolutely. So, you
0: know, I'm sure you have meetings constantly as it relates to contingency plans. Is there any talk of um, more space being needed down the road? And if so, are there any spaces that have been designated yet to, to be makeshift
2: hospitals? Well, we're talking to lots of people about uh, space. And there's a lot of, um, there's need for different kinds of space. So there's need for being able to send patients somewhere when they're well enough to be out of the hospital. So if they need to go back to a nursing home or retirement home, you know, a lot of them don't want the patients back, so trying to figure out space for that. Um, So we are working with our local uh, nursing homes and subacute care places to make sure they'll have spaces to take patients back that may be positive and cohort them separate from all the other patients in their facilities. There's a need for space for for staff at some point who may not want to go home um, after taking care of patients here. They may want to stay away from their families, so we're looking for space, and we're talking to several hotels, um, and and there may be a need to send people to an area where they don't go home to their families when they're sick and have a space that they could go and recuperate, so we're looking for that down the line. We also do have a team working on if we do need extra beds somewhere, um, if we would need that to have that space available. But at this point both hospitals feel like we can handle um at least double what we've got now. So we're we're in pretty good shape that way. Okay.
0: Are there any uh just kind of a curiosity question that that PK had and is that is it's that um have any retired healthcare professionals um come back to volunteer?
2: A few, yes. But we do, we do want people to stay safe, so we are trying to assign them to areas where they would not be at risk because usually if you're retired, you're in the high-risk category.
0: Right. Because you've been relaxed for so long. No, Because
2: you've been relaxed, because of your age.
0: <laughs> so we've heard uh, over and over that blood is in short supply. If we want to donate blood, where should we go? Are there any restrictions and any particular blood types that are needed
2: the most? I think we could use any type of blood, um obviously the universal donor bloods, like o would be um, exceptional. I think you do have to be healthy so and um I know they were running a few blood um, they were running a few places to uh, donate blood, but I don't have that list in front of me, so okay. i'm sorry
0: any any other things you need volunteers for right now other than blood donations
2: well. I think volunteers, if you want to keep making masks, that's very nice the the cloth masks we um, we have some supply but not enough supply. We are talking about using it for staff that are not in high risk areas. We are also we have not done that yet, but you know as we try to preserve other masks, we might um, want to use them for that, as well as giving them to families that we are sending the patients home to have for the patients so they're not exposing their family members. So if people want to make that, that would be great. We have been very blessed. And I just want to do a big shout-out to the community. Um, a lot of things have happened that just kind of make a big difference to the nursing and the physicians here. You know, um, families have had their their kids make cards and bring them here so we can bring them into patients and and thank-you notes for the staff so we, when they get those cards, it's very... You know, much appreciated. We, um, I think, in Elmhurst and in and in Naperville, there are signs in people's yards that was donated, thanking healthcare workers for everything they're doing. We we truly appreciate that. Um, people put notes on our cars in the parking lots, thanking us for the you know the work that we're doing. Wow. Um, we've had. This morning when we came in at both employee entrances, they had a big thing of flowers from Phillips with a thank you note and everybody take a flower for the day. Um, Food has been delivered for our staff. A, A lot of really, really great things from the community and, you know, for us, You staying home and staying healthy is the most important thing that will help us. But all of these gestures mean so much to the staff and the physicians who come here and they're scared every day and they're leaving their family members to expose themselves to risk because they care about the community and they want to make sure that patients get the best possible care. And when people reach out like this, it makes a huge difference. So I want to thank everybody for that.
0: Um, i just one last uh, question for you that goes back to your uh, early in your career you know you, you've got a nursing background obviously and you in particular specialized in the mental health area so kind of wanted your perspective on on what you might worry about as it relates to folks that are already struggling with mental health issues and and now they uh, they're dealing with a society that's changed quite a bit
2: well, I think when it comes to mental health, it cannot be um, discounted how much this stress of what's going on now will impact everybody, whether you have a, a history of depression or, his, or a mental health diagnosis or you've never had a mental issue. The stress and the anxiety that everybody is feeling is going to impact how you respond to what's going on, how you communicate with each other, and your success going forward in the future. So we personally here in the organization are getting um, teams from Linden Oaks Hospital to come and help us with our staff on the floors to help them deal with stress right now because um, we know how hard it is on them. And we know that having someone to talk to Having someone that can validate that your feelings are normal and natural can make a huge difference to your ability to cope and your ability to move forward. I would say in the home, if somebody is not acting the way they normally act, if they're short, if they're crabbier than usual, we have to have an abundance of compassion and forgiveness right now because each of us reacts to stress so differently, and it may not be who we are, but it is what is happening inside that we have no control over, and so we try to take control in other ways, and so we need to be caring and forgiving and understanding. And then reach out by phone. There are a lot of um, places that you can call that will do telephonic um, help and intervention if somebody is having a hard time and needs to talk to somebody. Lindy Oaks Hospital will have that, but there are other places as well. I would say make sure that you're reaching out by phone, by text to people that you love because it will make a difference. And nobody, no matter how strong they are, can go through this untouched. So one of the things we're going to be doing here at the hospital is three times a day we are going to be stopping and having everybody take a little time to meditate or a prayer of healing, praying in their own way, or just sending out positive thoughts to the universe because... We all need to pull together at this time, and so we ask you we're going to be doing it at seven a m noon and seven p m The two sevens are the start of each shift, and then at noon for the people that are here during the day, so that everybody is together helping to support each other and to pray together
0: Well, I'm so glad I asked you about that. I think I asked the right person that was that was a great <laughs> answer um I want you to know that, you know, our nation's healthcare workers are in our thoughts and prayers. And to use a sports euphemism, I wish we could get them all on a field in a big stadium and we could do a, a big virtual wave to show our appreciation. And I know you mentioned the the signs that are in Elmhurst and Naperville. And uh, I want to give a little shout out to our Elmhurst Memorial Hospital Foundation ambassadors, Paul and Colleen Kelty, who owned the City Center UPS store donate some signage to uh, to go on the hospital campus and then throughout town so uh, we really do care and uh, pk and scott and i all have one in our yard so thanks so much for spending time with us pam keep up the good work and uh, we're here for you
2: thank you and really thank you paul and colleen and thank you to everybody who supported us We'll see what next week brings, but it's it's really an interesting time, and um, and I'm just grateful to be here in Elmhurst because I think we are a great organization and a great community. Thank you. Thank you.
0: I bet my money on a Bob the staff and management of the E Town Lowdown would like to assure our more sensitive listeners that our food critic Sal is really half Italian. His mother is from Poland and his father is from the great country of Italy. We hope you will enjoy and not be offended.
1: Hey, how you doing? Slappy Sal here for the e Lowdown. You ain't gonna believe this, but I'm here to tell you to go get some food from the gas station. Seriously. My German buddy, Johnny Crepes, told me to get some food at Thornton's gas station over on York Road and Lake Street. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? I told him he was puzzle, you know? Crazy, but he's like Sal. I am dead serious. You have to try their breakfast. So I said, okay. So I was low on fuel yesterday, and I stopped in there. Turns out, their food's pretty good. No fooling. They got fresh-made breakfast sandwiches. They got eggs and bacon and sausage. You know who you name it. They got it. They got donuts and really swanky coffee, the whole panzerotti. You know what I'm saying? Can't believe I'm telling you this, but you got to try the breakfast food at Thornton's gas station. In fact, they should put up a big sign in front that says, eat here, get gas. This is Slappy Sal for the E-Town Lowdown, reminding you of what Julia Child once said. The only time to eat diet food is while you're waiting for your steak to finish cooking.
0: This has been a special presentation of the E-Town Lowdown.